Welcome to the Friends and Music Podcast, brought to you by... I'm Jessica, doing all the hard stuff. And I'm Carlos, bringing the clever quips and a face made for audio. We are always looking for ways to spend time with two of our most favorite things, friends and music. We'll spend each episode chatting with music friends and with friends about music. So sit back, relax, have a drink, and enjoy the show. On On the the Friends Friends and Music Music Podcast. Podcast. Hola, peeps. Welcome to episode nine of the Friends and Music Podcast. This week, coming to you from San Francisco with some of that West Coast cool. He's got an old school, joyful sound. And at least the last time we saw him, a super cool band. Mm-hmm. Welcome and thank you for being our guest, Jack Mossbacher. Uh, thank you for having me, guys. My pleasure. Hi, Welcome. Jack. Welcome to Friends and Music. We're so excited I- to have you here. My two favorite things, friends and music. I know, well, that's why we named the podcast this. You you got it right off the bat. So, Jack, I, I have to say, out of everybody that we've interviewed, right, all eight other people, I, you have, like, the best background story that I think I've ever read. The, well, the One of the most unique paths to get to where you've gotten today. Um, I think... One person actually termed you the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've obviously, their world, whoever that was, is very sweet, but they, it sounds like a limited worldview. I've been very, 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 very lucky. That's for sure. A lot of wonderful experiences. Well, I think luck and, and talent. But give us the cliff notes, all right? Bring us up to yeah. speed with those of us we, who don't know you. Um, absolutely. Let us know who you are. It has been a, uh, it, it, I've, I'm, uh, so I'm 28 years old, which you're supposed to never say your age, but just to give a little <laughs> bit of context, because a lot of people assume that I'm, sometimes people think I'm younger. Most of the time they kind of, I kind of walk around in a 28 year old body with a 78 year old attitude. But, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I was born in, at Stanford hospital in, in California and, uh, my parents are both really, really wonderful. And I think really impressive people. My dad, uh, played soccer in college and a little bit of professional soccer and was a touring rugby player. And my mom, uh, was, you know, was kind of went to, they, but they met at Stanford and she was kind of a pre title nine, really athletic woman. Mm -hmm. So there weren't a lot of sports opportunities. And, uh, she ended up starting, uh, running competitively for fun at the age of 26. And, uh, was on the Olympic team, ran, uh, represented the United States in the marathon in Seoul in 1988. So wow, she, that's, that's awesome. amazing. <laughs> and uh, so they're, they're both athletes. And, and uh, when I was a kid, I'm, I'm the oldest of two. I have a little sister who's, who's a really, really cool person. She went to, she was the captain of the soccer team at Harvard and, and oh, is a work. She's, she's much cooler. You should interview her, but, uh, my, <laughs> but I, Next week. Uh, and uh, but I, uh, you know, I think a lot of the time when when two athletic parents have an athletic son, uh, they just kind of put you in sports and that's what you do. And my parents who had no real musical ability of any kind, they're actually really awful uh, at singers and, uh, <laughs> and totally kind of music free uh, DNA. They but they love music and they saw that I loved music and they put me in a boys chorus when I was a kid actually that was kind of the best thing they could think of and that was I sang in this boys chorus called Rigazzi 
mm-hmm. uh, in the Bay Area that got to, a, you know, I got to travel the world and perform a San Francisco Symphony and San Francisco Opera and do all this wonderful stuff. And uh, I actually went and played baseball in college, but I'd done a bunch of theater growing up uh, and, and just had the most wonderful childhood getting to do a bunch of music and, and acting and a bunch of sports. And I played baseball at Stanford, ended up uh, working. Uh, this is not a very good Cliff's Notes, but I'm trying to give you some. <laughs> <laughs> ended up getting to work and live in Uganda for half a year. and uh, Which is and super studying, cool. Studying, that is crazy. Uh, yeah. Was, really great yeah i uh i i got to i was in a program called democracy development and the rule of law at stanford where i was a political science major and i got to uh i was studying how oil affects kind of young countries that are trying to become democracies and uh got to i got to study with condoleezza rice at stanford oh. and with a guy named larry diamond who's kind of the the democracy the world comparative democratic development expert mm-hmm. and uh wor- and i got a job working for him and i uh, was thinking i'd do a phd or be a teacher maybe do something like that because i loved larry i just wanted to be like him but started doing some theater again uh started making a living and then and got a job doing theater a theater show in new york and that's where i started my band and uh that's what I am doing now. That was uh, I started the band not too long ago, under you know under three years ago, but had done a bunch of theater yeah. too, uh, and so that that was not a very good Cliff's Notes answer, and I apologize. I read that. Yeah, we're going to go back to some of those. That's way yes, too much sure. to go that fast. But uh, I have read that you that, that we are so bored with me. But uh, <laughs> I I, have, I read that we have your mom to thank for your uh, for your continuing and blow and, and and singing career and music career for you sticking with it and getting into it. No, is there some truth to that? There absolutely is. I mean, she. What kind of parents? Uh, see a kid. I had a, I had kind of a, a clear cut path. I think be doing the stuff I was telling you about. And what kind of parents urge their kid to go back into art? <laughs> uh, but my mom and dad were always so supportive. They kind of I think they saw in me that I was kind of most alive when I was. There are a lot of things I'm really interested in, but my calling has always been kind of to entertain people, and I love kind of getting to. I, I love performing. I can't tell you really why, because it can be a very challenging job and a um, certainly a uh, less than uh, secure path uh, to take in life. But I just, for some reason, have always really gotten the most fulfillment out of uh, out of trying to uh, make people happy with with entertainment. Uh, and so my mom saw that she. You know, when I was going to play baseball at Stanford, she was the one who said, you know, you really should try audition for the for the voice program, which I did and got into. And then she was the one that said, you know, when I was working, she said, you know, you really should find some outlet for your performing. Um, And I and not to not to cut my dad out of it because he's very supportive, too. But those were two really formative things that happened to me that I think I don't I don't know if I would have had the. you know, necessarily the vision or courage to to keep doing it uh, had it not been for her. So, yeah, pretty cool parenting. It's a good lesson, I think. <laughs> and uh, you know, to, at least to me, uh, it's 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 kind of what I call an old school sound. A lot of soul, a lot of Motown kind of kind of feel to it, which I love. But uh, where's where's that sound come from? Where'd you get that from? You know, how's that the kind of music you're making? Good question. I mean, it's it, we live in a really, really interesting time, I think, where there's such a great um, such a, a, a vibrant debate about um, 
uh, cultural appropriation and about mm-hmm. uh, the influence of of the black community on uh, on white music. And I am yeah. a, I am if you you can't see a picture of me on a podcast, but I am about the whitest guy <laughs> in the world. <laughs> I, I, I've never, there's no one who sunburns easier than I do. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, so, I mean, my, and I bring that up because my musical development really started with, I, I, I got into this boys chorus and learned how to sing harmony. So I knew what that was at the age yeah. of five or six. And I vividly remember going into, I'd learned how to use a cassette tape player mm-hmm. and my parents had. Uh, this this big collection of cassette tapes, and I was looking through, and I picked one out, and it was these guys in these awesome suits that just looked yeah. like the coolest guys I'd ever seen, and it was the best of the Temptations. I still have the uh, the cassette tape, and I put sure. it in. Listen to these guys who I now knew what they looked like. They had these. I remember it's like the the album they had with these gold, these kind of shining gold suits, and they're all yep. looking at you so cool. And then they and listening to them sing harmony in such an incredibly cool way. I just fell in love with it. Now I spent yeah, a lot. Yeah. I, I spent probably it was probably around thirteen when I started learning that I was not going to be a Motown lead singer <laughs> for a variety of reasons. Uh, but um, but that was kind of I've always said, and, and that just um, those old Motown and Stax records are kind yeah. of the first music that was just oddly enough uh, the first music I fell in love with, and it's always been kind of my heartbeat music and when i started i love a lot of different types of music and i've been exposed to a lot of different types of music because i also sang opera and i i love broadway and mm-hmm. uh, musical theater um and i love i think some of the greatest artists out there today are uh in at least in the united states are the folk kind of the the, the you know the neo folk people like like the avid brothers and brandy carlisle and langhorn slim i love those people so my first album if you listen to it is infused a little bit more with that Americana feel, but I started listening um, to guys. I started finding guys like Michael Kiwanuka and yeah. Leon Bridges and sure. Alabama you, Shakes and Charles. Even Brown. Amy Winehouse a little bit. Uh, that her that's, big. Oh, that's a really nice compliment. Absolutely, and and uh, and I, there's this com- there's this record label called Daptone Records in mm-hmm. uh, Brooklyn that has all these wonderful, really soulful albums that they're releasing and i thought man i didn't realize that this was a type of music you could make a living singing and i was listening to these guys like this is me this feels like me and so my um i really transitioned into in allowing myself kind of the bandwidth and the and the courage Mm -hmm. to sing the kind of music that i really believe in and now i mean to go back to it you know one of the main things that i am uh really conscious of is being a, a being a white artist singing music that it was that was popularized and but also just you know created by predominantly black and and kind of uh kind of owning that and uh trying to be really i think appropriation really means uh taking something without giving any credit and and i think think that's the main thing that i'm trying to be conscious of in my my next project that i'm working on is actually a, a straight up tribute to one of my one of my favorite artists so it's uh it's a really interesting time to be in art it's a really interesting time to be in the entertainment world because so many things that have been done wrong for so long are being fixed and uh, i hope to get to be a part of that yeah and who's uh who's the who's the uh tribute to to? well i 
Uh, so my, as I mentioned, my first album I listened to is The Best of the Temptations, and David Ruffin was that original sure. lead singer. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the great, uh, in my opinion, I mean, I mean, it's it doesn't matter, but I, he's my favorite voice I've ever listened sure. to, and he sang, he sang My Girl and Ain't Too Proud to Beg, and I Wish It Would mm-hmm. Rain, and all great. It's iconic. Awesome. Oh, it's the best, and he. Uh, he was a really talented, really troubled guy, had a lot of a really tough upbringing, um, son of a preacher, but a lot of abuse in his childhood. And, and uh, when he got to Detroit, he, he joined the Temptations, but, but quickly had a lot of personal issues that got in the way. He had a really bad drug addiction that would eventually uh, yeah. take his life. And he, and he left the Temptations. And he actually recorded a couple of now not really well remembered uh, solo records. Sure, he went solo. Yeah, a couple of whom, a couple of those records were really, you know, were gold records. And then, mm-hmm. and uh, and in nineteen, I think seventy one or nineteen seventy, he re- he re- uh, recorded this kind of opus album that I that for you know a lot of reasons was never released he actually got in a contract dispute with motown he was really yeah. uh riddled by a drug addiction at the time and the way he tried to sue to get out of his contract and the way and motown obviously was very good at not losing mm-hmm. those, uh famously good at winning lawsuits and they uh punished him by keeping the masters of these recording sessions until you know, he passed away of uh, in of a drug overdose in I believe 1994, and yeah. in 2005, I believe a an independent record company, as Motown was was auctioning off some assets, bought this record that they just called David and actually released it uh, just on Spotify. And if you uh, Spotify, iTunes, they did some CDs, things like that. But I yeah. stumbled across it. And I recommend it to anybody who loves this kind of music because it's it's hilarious because, I mean, you can tell that these tapes sat on the shelf for 30 years. They're they're really messy and grungy, but uh, the performance and the arrangements are just the uh, it's one of the most wonderful pieces of art I've ever heard. And I am actually releasing I got I actually got to do with these wonderful um musicians in Los Angeles and a great producer named Michael Eisenstein, who was the. uh he, if you remember the band Letters to Cleo, uh, he was the uh, he was the uh, is the uh, guitarist for Letters to Cleo, but an incredible mm-hmm. producer who shares my love of kind of the soul music of the '60s and '70s. And we yeah. made, we did an actual Motown recording session with me in the room singing with the horns and the entire rhythm wow. to the backing vocalists, and we're going to release for the cool. from uh, that's Dave. very cool. So yeah. I'm really no. excited about that. Yes, we're definitely. Uh, we'll definitely look forward to that one. I think you know, at, at least as far as I, I, I in my opinion, uh, is that as long as you're performing and, and and doing the you know doing the music honestly, I don't think you know the color comes into play or you know the cultural appropriation issue isn't isn't really there. For example, you know Steve Ray Vaughan you know, sat in with Albert King and they loved each other because they could both you know they could both shred. And they were playing honestly. The only issue comes when you pull a when you pull a Pat Boone on Little Richard, where you take his song, you know, and turn it into something, you know, as your own commercial that isn't honest to, to that original music. And what and what you're playing, what what I hear when you play is you're doing it honestly, you're doing it joyfully, and, well, I, and you know that makes it all honest. 
What we certainly don't need is me. We don't need another white person lecturing on on what their opinion on all of this. That's for sure. Yeah, and that's, yeah, yeah. But but uh, and so I don't really. Uh, that's not what I'm not really trying to offer any particular opinion other than just to own the fact that I understand that this has been a 80 year problem uh, and that I do totally agree with you. You know, one of the great things about music inherently is it is it is one of those things where it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. We connect through music. And yeah, yeah. that's the beauty uh, and, of it. And I do feel a really, you know, I hope it, I'm glad to hear that you, you say that it comes across, but I feel a very genuine uh, connection to the music that I'm singing now, and uh, and it's because before I knew any that any of this stuff or uh, existed or that there were any of these problems, this was the music that I was kind of my heartbeat music. So I appreciate yeah. you saying that. And I just I always try to kind of bring it up and own it because it is a uh, it's something that I'm a really tiny part of. Uh, no, that's awesome. Even some of the I, I noticed, like in uh, second time around, even some of the references you're you're putting in there, those are old school, like absolutely. Bardot and Simone and stuff like that. Absolutely. Well, I, I you know I tend to be a, I'm a as you can tell, uh, probably when you meet me or when you see me, I'm a pretty old soul, and and uh, I tend to be uh, I probably tend to be a couple years behind everybody else, but. Uh, but I'm, um, you know, there was some great music made back then. I don't apologize for loving no. it. No, although you know, there's also that modern spin you got to your music. I love the uh, version you did of Castle on a Hill, one of my favorite songs. There, you slowed it down, but it's it still stayed cool. Nice well, job on that one. See, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's about as modern as you can get, too, right? Well, that came out last year. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah, I try to stay up to date with the kids. You know. <laughs> <laughs> to us, to us, you are still one of the kids, buddy. I'm sorry to say. I know, I know, I know. You're definitely still a kid, Jack. Yeah. So, listen, we all just got off of the cruise, the Sail Across the Sun cruise, and you were, um, I'm going to term you as sort of the sleeper artist. Like, we never really heard a lot about you until we got on the boat. And then it, there was like this ripple effect. Oh, my God. Have you seen Jack? Have you seen Jack? This dude's awesome. This dude's always smiling. It was just infectious. And then to get down to Bar City and to see one of your sets, um, there's definitely this passion that you have for what you're doing. It It's very evident watching you that this is definitely your life's calling. But you know, you talked about your parents and how supportive they are, but that they have no musical background. So was there <laughs> anybody else in your life that influenced this? I mean, if I could tell you a cool story, you know, I, it really, my family has, my, my short answer is my grandmother had a really nice voice, uh, my mom's dad, but no one ever had really done any performing. Um, but uh, we have kind of a long family legacy of just really loving music. And my my great grandfather. So my great great grandfather came over here from Germany. He was a German Jew that came over uh, in uh, you know the early 1900s, and his son uh, dropped out of school and became a what was at the time called a runner on Wall Street, which was uh, you know back in the day when you traded stocks, you you had a there would be a brokerage firm. They would get an order for a stock and they would actually take take it down, write the check, and they'd give it to a kid. And he would run to the stock exchange and exchange stock, and that and that's what my great grandfather did. And he ended up becoming a, um, you know, he'd he'd gone to school and through fifth grade, but ended up ended up becoming a 
stockbroker in his own right and and doing really well. And and, you know, the consequence of being Jewish and being, uh, you know, not, you know, going to school through fifth grade and not being an Ivy Leaguer or a blue blood uh, at the time was that he got to hang out with all the cool, uh, you know, Jews and 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 black people and other minorities of the time. And he and I had heard this hilarious story that frankly, you know, when you hear a family story and you're like, that's sweet, I'm sure that there's a kernel of truth to this. But I'd always been told, you know, you're the first person that's ever really been musical in our family, but your great grandfather was was best friends with George Gershwin. And I would go, oh, that's very sweet. And I was at a book sale like this kind of, it was called a rubbish sale back when I was living on the East Coast, all these people's old stuff. And I saw this massive, like 800 page book about George Gershwin. It's just called Gershwin. And I was like, huh, you know, this looks pretty comprehensive. I'll just check it out and kind of cross this off. Uh, as and, and, and I open the book, I go to the back to look at the, um, at the glossary. And there are 40 mentions of of Emil Mossbacher, who was my great grandfather. <laughs> no and this book, this book detailed uh, their, you know, their trips that they would take to Havana together and the benders of drinking and music and golf and all this stuff. And then, uh, you know, uh, the, my favorite thing was my my great grandfather lived up in Westchester County, just north of New York City. And this book details how one summer it was. Uh, unbelievably hot in New York City, and George Gershwin went up to his friend Emil Mossbacher's house and stayed in the little cottage wow. and wrote wrote the majority of Porgy and Bess in their <laughs> uh, in their guest house. Wow. So I was very wrong to doubt my parents, and and just as a kind of a just to even put a little icing on the cake, not only were they great friends, and not only did that happen, but there's a song in Porgy and Bess called "Redheaded Woman" that that George Gershwin wrote. Um, about my great grandmother, who was the holy mackerel! Look at that. So, so I was wrong. Don't kids don't doubt your parents, uh, and I feel bad. But that you know that's kind <laughs> of our. So that that's a, an extreme example. But I've just you know that I come from a family of not art, not particularly artistic people who have always uh, loved uh, art of all kinds and it's loved. I was great. I've gotten I was lucky to get a great exposure to music and theater and uh, things like that that really shaped me. For That's sure. amazing. You know, just because I was listening to some stuff uh, and I didn't recognize this song, but I liked it. I assume I get ideas is from a show. What show is that from? Oh, that's a, um, you know, I found that that's an old Louis Armstrong. Oh, song, uh, that's mostly a, uh, a, a trumpet song for him. And I actually wrote a uh, second batch of lyrics. There's that kind of little chorus and then yeah, yeah. little cool. little chorus. And I wrote that. Um, Very and I, cool. did, I was doing kind of cabaret stuff. Uh, when I was living in New York, working at like 54 Below and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the Carlisle, places like that. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. that was, uh, you know, that's that's really how I got the idea to start writing my own music. I never really meant to be doing this in a kind of a confluence of events, including doing some cabaret performing, showed me how I'm mm-hmm. being myself on stage mm-hmm. and getting to, uh, getting to kind of just, instead of playing a character in a show, getting to just be me, I really... Uh, that was a big transition for me. Cool, cool, very yeah. good. So did, I, ha- did I interrupt you there, Jack? Yeah, Carlos, she did. Um, <laughs> so uh, let's bring it into—I don't know if it's present day or not—but we have got to ask because 
everybody would be like on Facebook, why didn't you ask this? We want to know about the train connection. Like, how is it, you know, you had a performance, Pat Monahan came down, gave you a personal introduction and like kudos and pretty much said you're the most interesting person in the world (laughs) without saying that. Um, But what's the connection there? What's the story? How did you two meet? I don't know if you're getting this from the other things I talked about, but I am really, really, really a fortunate person. And I've gotten really, really lucky a million times. And, and, uh, you know, I I had my my dad uh, told me a long time ago when I was a little kid, you know, he said, you are so lucky that you're basically there's nothing you can do to kind of earn that back. You're just going to have to try to be a good guy and uh, and uh, and and do nice things for other people. And this is just another example of just incredible good fortune. I, I was um, I was finishing uh, the second time around. I remember I was in the studio for a couple days straight trying to get that song right. And my, you know, as a musician, my schedule is pretty weird where the weekends are actually not very good because uh, I'm playing all the time. And my downtime tends to be kind of in the beginning or middle of the week. And I remember looking at I'd been working really, really hard and I was and I hadn't had a day off in a couple of months. And I was looking at this Thursday, this Thursday, I was going to do my last session on Wednesday. And I was like, man, that Thursday is going to be a really good day off. And a friend of mine uh had texted me and uh, on Tuesday and said, Hey, uh, I need you to come play golf with me. And I love playing golf. That's kind of uh, when I stopped playing baseball, that became my kind of competitive outlet. Uh, said, You got to come play golf with me. You're going to really like it. And uh, I thought, Okay. And I was up, I was at the, the studio in San Francisco until uh, uh, 3 a.m. and then drove down to for a 7.15 tea time, I oh. think, at. Uh, at the beautiful Stanford golf course. Uh, and, uh, I, I walk out and, uh, I go to the first tee and I'm playing with Pat Monahan. Now, the <laughs> four- <laughs> and so the, the further context of this is that the first concert I ever went to, not with my parents was the Fillmore seeing, uh, seeing train, uh, doing their, for me, it's you tour, which mm-hmm. I think is one of the most underrated albums. I love that album. I love that album. Love that song. And um, so I got to kind of connect. I, I got to play golf with Pat. I don't know. You know, I it was I'm just it, he was my he was as much an idol as anybody when I was in high school and, and continuing on and, and getting to um, getting to spend time with him was great in and of itself. And I tried to kind of hide how big a fan I was allow mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> try to be normal. But uh, he took an immediate interest in me. And that is all I can really say is that Pat Monahan is when you think of like what you would hope your idol would be like, somebody you really admire as an artist. And you, I, I thought he was just one of the great songwriters of, uh, of the last generation. And I think his resume speaks for itself and never gets, even though he gets a lot of credit, never gets the full credit that I think he's due but he's an even better person. And he took a, took an interest in me actually, um, passed along my music to sixth man who, who books the sail across Mm -hmm. the sun and they booked me. And that's how I ended up there. And then I had no idea. I mean, he's pretty busy on those cruises, I think. And I had no idea that he was going to come to a show, let alone come up and introduce me. And, and I had actually played a couple of songs and my band had seen him waiting backstage, but I hadn't seen him because I was, 
you know, dancing around like an idiot. And, uh, and he came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said some very nice things, incredibly charitable stuff about me and my not only my music, but my character and about my family, who he's gotten to know. And uh, what can I say? I'm just really, really lucky. That's how it all happened. Well, it was very cool. I was actually at that show. I remember. Yeah, that. I was yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we were both actually. I mean, the way I, I think I wrote this in something else, but uh, this version of the cruise, uh, the soul of that trip was there in Bar City, and all you guys just hitting it and hitting it. I mean, it was oh. you guys. Everybody who played there when they played in that Bar City just kind of raised it up, and you, and especially uh, what I also wrote was that you better not come with a weak guitar down there this time because all those guys were playing, mm. and the guy you had with you, holy smokes, he exuded cool. He was well. I I've gotten really lucky uh, to to have a, a consistent my band. Uh, it's really good. It's a really good setup, and I recommend this to anybody. If you can have the act be your name but then have everybody else in the band be better than you are. That's, <laughs> that's like, a, I think that's a good recipe that I kind of accident. I have no idea um, why these guys continue to want to believe in me and support me, but they, I've got, I, I'll just a quick shout out that guitarist you're talking about is his name is, it's one of the great names in rock and roll. Kellen crap, C R A P P from Florida. And then went to uh, studied in the, jazz program at the university of north texas which is mm -hmm. in denton texas which is a incredibly cool a place i didn't really know about but a pocket are uh a pocket of uh the world that just has had some of the greatest uh pop i mean uh, jazz musicians ever and and that's where my keyboard player uh andrew tinker he's from north texas too and then James Small, who's my drummer, who also plays in a band called Fantastic Negrito that won the uh, Grammy for Contemporary Blues, I believe, wow. last year or two years ago. And uh, then Ray Seda, who was my bassist, who's from Brooklyn, New York, and plays nice. actually in the... He was, he's, he was on my first gig ever uh, <laughs> when I played at Rockwood Music Hall in, on yeah. the lower side of Manhattan at, I believe, 4 p.m. on a Saturday, the 4 p.m. <laughs> slot mm. with the sun and through the window very very exciting prestigious start and and ray actually plays uh the the bass and tuba he's one of the great tuba players in new york okay. uh wow. in the orchestra of chicago the uh, uh musical wow cool. uh, so i'm really lucky to play with those guys and uh it, it's it's a it's a very very solid band i always it's so nice to get to go up and know that you know, it, the only real X factor in our performance is whether or not I'm going to be good because those guys are those guys are so great. Yeah. Well, yeah. part of the magic is all you guys getting, you know, being together and rowing in the same direction. So, yeah. you, could, you know, that came across nicely, uh, well, at least on the shows that we saw. Yeah? They uh, you know, I write these songs and then they bring them to an entirely different level. And I'm really, really lucky. You know, uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up was uh, was San Francisco, that from afar is one of my favorite places with the weather and how beautiful it is and the food. But even yep. our music family has, it turns out, has a lot of connections to uh, San Francisco between Matt Nathanson, which all the ladies love, and, and love. I love too, I guess. Love. I love yeah. too. And Franti <laughs> and, and you and even food-wise, Chef Ryan Scott's part of the uh, cruise music family too. So how's, how's being out in San Francisco kind of, uh, does it influence you? Does it impact your music at all i think hugely you know i uh you know i when i was playing music in new york i was getting a really nice uh people were nice and, and people were showing up to the shows and it was growing but 
I did notice that I had kind of a different vibe than almost mm-hmm. everybody else I was playing with because there's a, um, you know, so much great music is rooted, so much of the music that I love is rooted in kind of the angst and challenge of being a human being and how tough mm-hmm. things can be. And I love that. That's just not me, though. No one, uh, that's not what I have to offer to the world. You know, I've got a, for whatever reason, um, a real calling to kind of spread joy and talk about love and uh and the things that are kind of on the brighter side of the world and we love it and well i appreciate that and um you know if i can uh the reason i started doing this what i'm doing now is i was i was doing all right as an actor in new york and you know getting to pay bills just being a performer which is a really fortunate thing uh particularly with how many talented people there are in, you know, trying to be theater actors in New York and things were going okay. And I'd started doing some cabaret performing and I came to do my first show in San Francisco, uh, at a place called Feinstein's in the Nico hotel, which is this great Michael Feinstein owns this place, Mm -hmm. a great standards singer. Uh, and I was going to do this cabaret show and it was on, I remember it was on a Thursday night, um, about two and a half years ago. And on, I was at a wedding, a dear friend's wedding in Napa, and I woke up that Monday morning to find out that a friend of mine named Michael Harris, who, who was kind of my first friend in the world, had been killed at 26 in this in a really, really stupid accident oh. down in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so this is a Monday, and I'm about to make this kind of debut on Thursday, and my first thought is, you know, I can't do this. I can't do it personally. It's not the right thing to do. I just, there's no way I'm going to be able to sing. There's no way I'm going to be able to do anything. Cause I mean, without getting, without getting too deep into it, cause I could talk about him for a long time, but Michael was the sweetest, most wonderful, uh, positive, uh, person that I honestly, that I think I knew. And, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, of all the people I'd met and he just happened to be my first friend. And, and, you know, a lot of people convinced me to go ahead with the show and, and we had, the show had sold out and we got to do a ticket swap where I got a bunch of my uh, Michael's and my mutual friends uh, in to be able to uh, see the show. And I got to go up there on stage and immediately, you know, life is very confusing and you don't get that many moments of like pure clarity. But this was like a moment of pure clarity where I thought, you know, I'm getting to distract people bring people joy, cheer them up, talk about things that I feel passionate about. Uh, This is what I need to do. And that is why I moved back to San Francisco, because I knew that if I was going to start anywhere, it would be with that kind of team of people that I was looking Mm -hmm. at, you know, because I grew up in the Bay Area. I went to school in the Bay Area. Uh, I have so many supportive, such a wonderful community in San Francisco. And so I think that that city, this city and... Mm -hmm the people in it are, are kind of at the, you know, in a very, very kind of visceral way, right in, in the heartbeat of what I'm, what I'm trying to do. So for sure. And then with all the connections with, with train and Michael Franti and, Mm -hmm. uh, Matt Nathanson, who I haven't had the chance to meet. I've just, uh, admired for a long time. Um, there's a lot of great stuff happening in the San Francisco music scene. I think it's, uh, and of course I spend a lot, a lot of time in Los Angeles. I have a, residency at a, at a place in West Hollywood called the Peppermint Club that is a really cool venue. But uh, San Francisco is, I think, unavoidably always going to feel like home and like kind of the center yeah. of my identity. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. 
Well, from the looks of it, you're not going to spend a lot of time in San Francisco this summer. It's going to be a pretty, yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it's always good to have somewhere to come home to, though, that's for sure. But it, it will be a little bit hectic. We've got some fun stuff coming up. Yeah. Tell us about this uh, home show tour across the country you're trying to set up. Yeah, we're setting up this thing called the Living Room Tour. And if you're listening, please call me um, <laughs> on, on Facebook. But we're no, you know, I, it really was an idea that I'd had for a long time because I'd done. I don't know if you guys know about So Far Sounds, the, uh, yeah. the company yeah. that does that does essentially home shows. It's this uh, plug for anybody. I mean, they're in 300 cities around the or plus 300 cities. Last time I checked around the country doing these wonderful kind of stripped down shows in people's homes and in, in these really cool shared spaces. And I love, as you can probably tell, like I love, I love playing music for people, but I also just love connecting with people and talking to people. Generally, I like talking about myself a lot less, uh, <laughs> though I know that's a major list, but I, I also feel I have to be me all day, every day. So it's always very fun to get to hear, meet people from new places with different, who are not me. But, uh, we, I'd had this idea for this living room tour for a long time because I love going and being, I mean, it's, it might sound a little strange, but I love being in people's living rooms. I love hanging out and getting to know people uh, as much as I love playing music. And then I kind of discovered through Sail Across the Sun, I did not know that this was going to be such a family and community. And it really, really is. And this podcast is just one of, of dozens of examples of people that just want to kind of this is this maybe this the cruise itself is the centerpiece but it's this it's this year round community of people that really really love and support independent music and independent musicians and so we are going to set up a uh, a tour that will be primarily playing people's backyards and living rooms and stuff like that and and uh, mixing in some venues but you know it is really hard to get started as an independent musician touring because uh the first question you'll always get from venues, uh, and it's fair, I totally understand it, but the question you always get is, so where have you played uh, in this city, and where, uh, and how are your ticket sales? And mm -hmm. I've said, this is the point, I'm trying to get started, so I don't, I've never been to your, you know, I've never been to Des Moines, uh, but mm -hmm. I want to come, uh, and they say, well, you know, once you've proven uh, an audience here, we would love to. So it's a kind of a chicken and egg situation where neither the chicken or the egg ever exist so, uh, <laughs> so I, uh, I don't like waiting around uh and and spinning wheels and and i connected with this group of people that saw me play and seemed to really kind of connect with what we were doing and so um you know we're we've got a couple of cool festivals that we're gonna play but also we're just gonna um i have i also got really fortunate uh playing baseball so much growing up and in college that I traveled the country and I had friends from all over the country and they've been nice to stay connected uh, with what I'm doing. And so I will uh, I'll kind of combine that with um, all of the people that I met on Sail Across the Sun. And I think we can I think we can put this together something really fun and really special. Well, definitely looking forward to that. And then I know uh, we we like to see where all those are set up because we do travel. And no matter what, we're also set up for uh, the Texify Jam Fest that's important yes, to a sir. lot of the folks. Mm -hmm. uh, my understanding is you're officially added to that now. 
I'm in. I am. I will be there. I, I believe, actually, I was lucky enough to be the last person booked. You know, they had booked the vast majority of it. And like you said, you were so nice talking about our time on Sail Across the Sun because it really was such a incredibly fulfilling and encouraging artistic experience. You know, we started that our first show. There were probably 25 people there at the beginning. We were the first show on that kind of first full day at sea in the atrium and then it just kind of exploded and i have no idea why other than that it just was one of those really kind of meant to be feeling things and uh we had so much fun and uh the textified jam fest is is a is uh is so supportive of uh, sail across the sun folks and they uh i think that they really kind of frankly made room for us after sail across the sun and kind of made it financially viable and and we're super indebted to them and uh i hope everybody everybody uh in the general uh in the general massive state of texas and oklahoma will come uh and check it out because we owe them a really really good show and Uh we're we're flying in we travel trust me oh yeah I spoke Uh-oh. to the doctor not less than uh, earlier this week. We are yep. all flying in for this. It's going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. And by the way, anybody listening out there, if you want to find out more about uh, the Texified Jam Fest, and I'll also uh, add a link to, uh, to to Jack to your posting about home shows on the Friends in Music page on Facebook. You can get some information on there as well. Yeah, it's going to be a blast, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see the rest of the bands that are on there uh, who I. A lot of whom I fell in love with on Sail Across the Sun, too. And uh, yeah, we yeah. promise to give everything we've got because we feel very fortunate to uh, be included. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be a good time. And, and we still have hope yeah. to see you in Jessica Baker's backyard because her <laughs> husband makes good barbecue and she lets me sleep in her pop-up. Yeah. Love it. It's <laughs> love a thing. It. It's a thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Cannot wait. Well, Jack, this has been... uh, Do you have one more question, Carlos? No, I was going to ask for the folks who uh, aren't that familiar with you, uh, how can they find your music and how can they connect with you? Absolutely. Well, I am... uh, My music is essentially everywhere that music can be streamed or sold. I'm on Spotify and iTunes and Tidal and Amazon and uh, all these places. And it's just Jack Mossbacker, one of the great uh, inefficient stage names of all time, M-O-S-B-A-C-H-E-R. And you can connect with me on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, all at uh, Jack Mossbacker, except I believe my Facebook is Jack Mossbacker Music. Uh, and and uh, my website is is updated with all of my upcoming shows and music and announcements, and it's just www.jackmossbacker.com. Uh, but, you, you know, look, it's, it is... It is a real um, challenge sometimes to get started as a as a, an independent new musician and 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 getting to connect with people. If you could, you know, it just means I can't tell you how much it buoys you to really find that you have a new person uh, from any, you know, particularly from other parts of the world who have just connected with your mission and with your music. And uh, so uh, everybody out there, come on board. We've got a lot of joy to spread. It's a it's not doesn't feel like that joyful of a time out there in the world right now in a lot of ways. And, um, the, but I still think that there's a lot, uh, to celebrate. And if you're into that kind of thing to manifest or to, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, good to be done by, I think, spreading positive energy and, uh, that's that. all I'm trying to do. Amen to that. We're all for that. Right, Jess. Absolutely. Jack, welcome to the family. 
Guys, thank you so much for having me. It's an incredible blessing. And this has really been a, uh, I'm really telling you, one of the most uh, inspiring and really, really encouraging uh, couple weeks of my life getting to connect with everybody on Sail Across the Sun. Excellent. Jess, you have anything else before we uh, close her out? I am good, Carlos. This has been fantastic, Jack. Thank you. Guys, anytime. I hope you'll have me back. It's, it's, uh, it was really fun to connect, and I really appreciate you showing the interest. Absolutely. Thank you very much, then, to Jack Mossbacker. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening. Uh, if you did listen and you enjoyed it, which I hope you did, please do like and subscribe on whatever it is the platform you're listening. And until next time, peeps, find every excuse to love. You've been listening to the Friends in Music podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can find us pretty much everywhere you find podcasts these days. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. If you like us, subscribe. Leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Until the next episode, we'll see you later.